you're not gonna come back down this rock, everybody's gonna see how disobedient you are. They're all gonna see that you don't listen. Get over here. Simon, you gotta get back. Come on! Simon, come down! Hey! Hey! Simon! Do you love me? If you've been a longtime alpaca pal, you know that I love animals. I mean, I did name this podcast after one. So as you can imagine, I have had many pets throughout my life. There was my hamster, Sniffles, and there were many fish throughout my childhood. Then in university, I spent several years fostering cats and raising kittens for a local cat rescue. Now. I have foster failed and I have two darling cats, Annie and Crumpet, and it sucks every time I leave them to go off on my travels. When I'm away, I literally message my friend who watches my cat babies for updates like every other day because I need to know what's up with my cats while I'm gone. I often think about bringing Annie or Crumpet on an adventure with me. Maybe Crumpet would love the view from perched on top of my backpack as we hike through the forest. Or maybe Annie would be the cat to lay out on a dashboard in our car, catching some rays on a long road trip. These days, it seems like there's more and more pets appearing in Instagram photos. They're adventuring around the world with their humans. But what are the logistics of bringing your pet adventuring? Do we know if cats and dogs and other animals actually enjoy it? Is it safe for them? Do animals belong on a plane or on a hiking trail or on a road trip? Welcome back to Alpaca My Bags, the podcast where we talk responsible travel. I'm your host, Erin. And today we're gonna explore whether or not animals should travel too. So I was swiping through TikTok the other day and I landed on a video of a cat named Simon. He was perched on the shoulder of a guy named JJ, and they were hiking. I heard Simon's little meow, and I realized it was familiar. I follow this adventure duo on Instagram already. JJ and Simon have been adventuring around Boulder, Colorado, and beyond for years. JJ shares a lot of content of their adventures, as well as tips on how to train your cat to safely enjoy the outdoors. Welcome, JJ. Do you want to tell us in a nutshell who you are? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, sure. I am an adventure filmmaker and I'm a social media influencer now. And I got Simon about four years ago. Ever since we've been working together, me and my cat, on different little adventure shorts. And we go on trips together and we also film content around my backyard or our backyard and and uh, we've made a career out of it so yeah me and my cat uh my cat's basically a working cat now <laughs> so i'm gonna have lots of questions about simon a little later but for starters i wanted to ask you about how your love of adventure um really blossomed i was reading that you started traveling in college and that's when you went on your first backpacking trip what was it about that first trip that hooked you and how has it impacted your trip since? When I went on my first trip in college, I actually hated it. It was a backpacking trip and I just remember how grueling and painful it was. And I remember the thoughts in my mind were, why did I get myself involved in this? And I never want to do this again. And it's interesting. I felt that during the time of the trip, but after the trip, I wanted to go back out there and do it again because... Even though backpacking and running and climbing a mountain is very grueling, the reward of getting to that final destination makes the journey so worth it. And it's not until sometimes after the trip, after you reflect on it, that you just kind of want to get right back out there to experience that burst of nature right in your face. And, you know, since many of us 
live in the cities or live in the suburbs where we don't necessarily have like this gorgeous, awe-inspiring magnificence of Mother Nature around us, uh, we're quite surprised when we're in there in the wild how how connected we feel when we're out there. And it's something that you have to be out there to really understand. It's it's an experience that captivates you. That's basically what kind of hooked me is just being in the grand beauty of it all, mother nature that is. And that hooked me and I just wanted to keep going out there and doing more and more trips. And I realized that if it could have an effect on me like that, then maybe nature could have an effect on others too. So ever since I've made it kind of my goal to to get more and more people involved in the outdoors and exploring their own backyards, because I realize how just how important it, and essential it is to living a healthy lifestyle. I really relate to your description of the experience and the power really of of going out into nature and and taking on challenges like a backpacking trip. And something that I've noticed myself is like, I also have had moments where like I've talked on this podcast before about this hike that my partner and I did in Guatemala. And it was to the top of this like, insane volcano. And it was it, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Like my body has never been put through that kind of pain before. And while we were on this hike, we were like, we are never doing this again. Like this is the last time we're, we're challenging ourselves with a hike like this. But then you give it like two, three days. And I found myself just like amazed by the ability of my body and my mind to, to withstand that experience that was like part of what got me to go back out and do it more because it was like the nature is incredible and it's incredible to be part of it, but it's also incredible to like understand how powerful our bodies can be when we really like push them. Yeah, exactly. So you were already an adventurer, but then you became a cat dad. So I have to tell you that I'm a cat mom myself. I've always been obsessed with cats. When I was in university, I used to foster kittens. So people used to laugh because like at any given moment, I would have six kittens like climbing all over my apartment. Um, And of course, I foster failed. And now I have two cats, Crumpet and Annie, and they are hands down my best friends. So I completely understand your love for Simon. So on that note, can you tell us about your relationship with Simon? Gosh, where do I start? When I first got Simon, I um, didn't really like him or even want him. And he didn't like me either. And he was kind of a devil cat. And really just, you know, I don't know how he was raised. Whatever the case, he was a really mischievous cat and really awful. And um, thank God he grew out of that within a couple days. But he turned into a really loving cat and... Because we live in the backcountry of Boulder, uh, I don't think it's that safe for cats to be out there by themselves, considering that many of them go missing because of, let's say, coyotes, foxes, mountain lions. There's so many different predators out there. So I couldn't let him out there by himself. And I didn't want to cheat him out of the outdoors. So I made it a point to get him outside every single day and even up till now. And we would go on little hikes. And that's that kind of really challenged both him and me because I had to learn how to slow myself down in a way because I really like to go fast when I'm in the outdoors. But through the experience of taking him on these adventures, I really got to see life through the lens of a cat. And it's quite different. It's quite different than how humans see it, Uh, especially someone like myself who's always moving so fast. Uh, You know, to have that kind of slow down, you start to see things that you missed so much uh, and, and we're never, we're kind of blinded by. So it's been an incredible experience, uh, definitely with its set of challenges, but all the while um, worth it for sure. Because gosh, having him as my companion is something I wouldn't trade. 
Yeah, like I wanted to mention in in your videos, I've watched like lots of your TikTok videos. It looks like you guys are super, super bonded. And like, yeah, he's your hiking partner, but he's also a companion and I imagine a source of support. Can you talk a bit about how having a cat like Simon or any pet um, can benefit our mental health and if you've experienced that all with Simon? I think having Simon has been a huge impact on my mental well-being. Knowing that another being can love you and count on you and depend on you so much, it it creates a sense of stability in yourself if let's say that if you're lacking it. Um, if you come home from a really bad day or you're stressed because of work or something else, having that emotional stability really helps you to get through the day. And I highly recommend it to anybody that might be going through any sort of physical or emotional challenges. At the time for me, like I was definitely um, at crossroads with life. And so he kind of came into my life at the perfect time. And just kind of looking at the success that I've gotten just with my own career and everything uh, since I've gotten Simon, I mean, it's a very clear indication that my success really began when I got Simon. And is it because of the fact that Simon is a working influencer as well. I, I don't know. Um, or is it because with him, I became more emotionally stable and therefore I became more productive and just kind of cooled down a little bit. That could be the case as well. Or maybe it's a mix of both. Whatever the case, it's definitely, I definitely would see a correlation between him and an overall spike in my positive moods. So yeah, I would say it's been such an asset having him. And, uh, you know, I question now that I'm so used to his support. I It's hard to say what I would do now without him. And it's sad because one of the most popular questions we get on social media, and this is kind of a morbid question, and I don't know why people ask this question. Uh, what are you going to do when he dies? And it's kind of like, he's only four years old. Why are we thinking of his death right now? Um, so I would wish that question to stop, but it still seems to be the most popular question I get asked. <laughs> I can't believe people ask you that. That's awful. <laughs> yeah, it is an awful question. It's it's like, if you had kids, like, would you ask like the mother, what would you do when your kids die? Like, you know, it's... Yeah, absolutely. And like, I feel like my cats are my children. So if anyone ever asked me that, I would be like, what... Don't even like put that idea in my head, please. <laughs> but I guess that's like one of the, it like comes with being so present on social media. I think like you just have to deal with people asking questions that they otherwise wouldn't ask a person face to face because like behind a keyboard, no one cares. Yeah, maybe that's it. <laughs> you mentioned that um when you hike with Simon, you get to see what what life is like as a cat or like see life through the, the eyes of a cat. Could you describe what that is like? Like how how is Simon different when he's out in nature compared to how you are when you're out in nature alone? When cats are out in nature, I, I should just say when Simon's out in nature, he is just overly stimulated. Everything for him is in entertainment so it could be a butterfly flying around he wants to catch the butterfly a bird lizard mouse uh, he he is just one of the greatest hunters alive and he will not let any of these poor insects or animals be left alone he's as soon as he sees a movement he's he's after it I have to constantly chase after him when I'm out there because he's chasing after something else. So that takes us on wild adventures, unknown adventures. Uh, you know, we're on the trail hiking and all of a sudden he sees a squirrel and he's off chasing it. And now here we are going on this random excursion where maybe we stumble across a cave because of his little detour. So that's kind of one way little adventures can happen. Um, and yeah, the simplest little hikes can turn into 
all day epics with him. <laughs> he loves eating grass. So that's always interesting, you know, making sure that what he decides to eat on with whether it be grass or a plant is safe for him. You would hope that a cat knows what is not poisonous for them. But yeah, I guess I've kind of learned how I've had to learn to identify plants as well so that I make sure <laughs> that he's safe, <laughs> but he loves eating his grass. So <laughs> classic cat, any little daytime one hour hike will turn into several hours. So, um, but even with that said, like I, I, I try to be mindful that I don't want to keep him from living a bad life. And I feel kind of responsible that I make sure that he does live a quality life. So I don't like to leave him in my house for that long by himself. And I want to make sure that uh, usually it's just a couple hours of because I really want to make sure that he has the the attention and the care that he needs. And really important, like if I'm going to take care of this cat, like I, I got to make sure he has the best life possible. I made the crucial mistake. So I live in downtown Toronto, not a safe place for outdoor cats. And I made the crucial mistake of letting my cats come out onto our balcony one day. And now they're obsessed. The second they experience the outdoors, it's like the only thing on their mind. I mean, nature is, is an obsessive drug and we all need it. <laughs> I love that like when you hike with Simon, it's like you're also getting a botany lesson. It's like a sort of a double benefit to having Simon out there with you. <laughs> yeah, it is. And thankfully they have these, they have this app now. I mean, there's many different apps where you can identify plants. You just take a picture and, and then it identifies it for you. So that's kind of a nifty little tool to have. Okay, so I saw on Simon's Instagram that he goes kayaking, swimming, hiking, and rock climbing. So he is a very well-rounded adventure cat. But how did you first introduce him to outdoor adventuring? Did you have any inclination that he would like it? Or you just had no clue and you were like, let's bring him out and see what happens. How did that sort of like first stage start with introducing him to the outdoors? When it comes to the outdoors, I just assume that everybody, every living being likes it to some extent because the outdoors and nature is where we all come from. Without it, we would not be alive. So I guess I didn't really give Simon a choice. But, you know, when the, fir the first time I got Simon, I was living in the mountains of Boulder and Pretty much the first day I got him, he ran out the door and hid under a rock. Uh, and I live in like a very kind of mountainous location. So he spent like 12 hours under that rock. And I was pretty fearful that he was going to get eaten by a predator, but I couldn't get him. Uh, it was kind of a struggle. And I actually ended up going to work that day and coming back and he still was under the rock. Thankfully, he was still fine. So taking him into the outdoors was just kind of, it was something I do all the time. So I just integrated him in my lifestyle. And yeah, I mean, he took to it pretty easily and seemed to like it way more than I did at some points, you know, he wanted to be out there. So uh, it was pretty clear from the beginning that he was a natural adventure cat. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so you talk on your social media accounts a bit about leash training. And from what I watched, it sounds like this is a pretty important aspect of bringing your cat on adventures with you. Um, you've talked about how you have to train your cat um, to wear harness and to like respond well to being on a leash. So could you talk a bit about this element of training your cat for the outdoors? Sure. Yeah. So when I first started getting Simon leash trained, uh, one of the steps that I did was find him a harness that was going to fit him properly. And that took a while, but I finally found one and then I just left it on him 24 seven and it became his clothes. And uh, it's pretty rare that he has his harness off. He usually it's it's part of his look and his outfit. So that is one way to keep your cat learning how to do the leash is just get them a harness that they don't want to 
they don't want to wiggle out of. And, you know, for me, I leave it on him 24 seven. So it's, it's a part of his body now at this point. And, uh, and then another thing when you're using the leash, some of the ways I've seen other people do the training is when they're like little, I mean, definitely the earlier you start your cat leash training, the easier it's going to be. And some of the steps that I've seen are putting a water bottle at the end of the leash to kind of get it used to the weight, pulling the weight, imagining that the weight is you. Yeah. I mean, it's something that over time they'll get better and better at. I mean, even, even Simon, I'm noticing he's still improving on the leash as time goes. So even four years later, he's still getting better at being on the leash. So cats are a little bit more challenging when it comes to leash training than a dog. Um, because cats want to take you on a hike. So, um, the way that I've been able to compensate for the times when he doesn't want to go as fast as I do is I'll put him on my back. And that's why he became backpacking kitty because he, most of the time he's on my back and riding along and I'm having to carry the weight for both of us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because this was something I wanted to ask you about, like just from personal experience. I have tried leash training my cat Crumpet, and it has not gone well because like she'll wear the harness and the leash. But then when I try to like walk around with her, she's not like a dog. Like she doesn't, you know, like a dog will walk next to you and walk in a straight line. And it seems like this is just not what cats want to do, like she's darting all over the place and like stopping to smell things. So I was wondering about how that, how you got around that little problem. Yeah, uh, that's one of the solutions I've gotten to Simon wanting to go his own directions hiking is uh, I'll put him on my back when uh, he's not going fast enough or going in the direction that I need him to go to. And, uh, usually when he's on my back for a while, he'll meow and he'll either meow for a couple of reasons. He either wants to go to the bathroom. He doesn't like the wind. He doesn't like the sun since he's a black cat or he wants to walk on his own. And, uh, then I'll let him walk on his own. And once he slows down, I'll put him back on my back again so that, uh, <laughs> he understands that we need to go at a certain pace. But sometimes he's very adamant about walking and, and, and then he wants to walk his own pace. So it's just kind of this like give and take. And it is a process. We have, um, however, climbed 14ers in Colorado successfully, even given these limitations. So, um, you know, you can kind of find ways to work around all of it. It sounds like you've almost like decoded his meows to understand like what he wants to communicate to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I've, I'm still working on it, but getting better and better at it day by day. <laughs> so I wasn't actually sure if you've traveled internationally with him. Is that something you've done? We actually, let me think about this. We have not flown internationally. God, I mean, we were going to this year. Um, yeah, I, it's something that we still uh, intend to do. So hopefully sometime soon. <laughs> Yeah, I feel you. I like have a crushing need to get back to international travel. But I wanted to ask like how you manage traveling long distances with him, um, either by car or by plane. Is there any preparation that goes into prepping a cat for a trip like that? So Simon has gone on a road trip that's been multiple days, long car rides, 20 hour plus car rides. One of the ways we get ready is I make sure I always have a litter box in the car for him. I have, I carry this portable litter box with me when I'm traveling that compresses and I can bring it on the airplane as well. I can't tell you how many times I've been um, stopped by security in the airports because of the litter. Uh, they have to like examine the litter. Um, <laughs> that's kind of a pain in the ass and that's kind of a pain, but... <laughs> I never thought about that. That uh, Do they look like confused when you tell them what it is? Yeah, I tell them it's litter, but they still have to do all the, it's a pain. So I've now like when, I, when I do fly again, if I ever fly commercial again, I will, um, I'll bring less litter. So that, um, I'll, I'll bring, I'll make sure I bring the portable litter box, the litter, 
And then plastic bags and some paper towels in case he has some messes, let's just say. I'll bring treats. So, uh, yeah, there's, I mean, there's like a whole kind of like checklist to make sure that I have when I'm traveling either by car or plane. And at this point, I've gotten, I, I've kind of gotten into a system of how, how to make it work, um, seamlessly. But I think, I mean, that's had it, it's had its own set of challenges throughout the years, but he's, he's nailed it now. He's good. I guess like, not to compare like animals with kids again, but I've heard this from people that like bringing your children on flights, this, the younger you start, the quicker and easier kids will adjust to it. And you can, you can really like train young children and I guess cats and probably dogs as well, how to cope with long trips, either by car or by plane. And once they understand like the process of what is happening, it's probably much easier. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I started Simon really, really young. Um, I've also found that when he's in the airport, when I put a um, tighter fitting clothes on him, <laughs> he can't move as well. So <laughs> he's a little <laughs> bit calmer. He can be a little outrageous. Uh, so just put on a really cute outfit and he'll, uh, <laughs> he'll be more calm. <laughs> <laughs> And when you fly with him, do you put him in, I'm guessing you don't put him in cargo, but I'm not sure. Like, do most people no. now keep their pets like in the cabin with them? It depends on how they're registered. Simon's in registered as an emotional support animal. So technically he can be on my lap, but he prefers to be under like right near my feet. And And people are pretty good about it. If I'm sitting next to somebody, they're generally they're cool with it because he's really quiet I mean, you wouldn't even know he's there I was gonna say like do you ever bring him out and let him look at the window or anything because I imagine like he would love that watching the clouds go by I do but he, he doesn't he actually doesn't seem to love that as much as I thought I wanted to ask like what the perception of Simon is when you're like going through an airport with him or say you like drop by a restaurant to pick up some food and you've got Simon with you. You know, it's been a while since we've gone to an airport, but when we did, cause I've been flying with him since he was just a couple months old and, uh, people would, you know, turn their heads all the time. Cause he's on my back, you know, he's on my shoulders and it's not an everyday thing that they, that you see. So I think the perception has changed over the years. I mean, there's, and, and the only reason why is because, um, more and more people recognize him now. So, um, before it was just kind of like, oh, this, this is like an odd thing to see. And they, and they would turn their heads and, but now, um, there's a mixture of both there, you know, either people think he's that this is odd and like, whoa, I've never seen this before, or, um, they'll recognize him and then they'll, you know, want to take a picture with him or whatnot. So what I can say in, in the evolution of, of it is that, um, we, we get swarmed at the airports. So it's, uh, if you don't want to be noticed, don't bring Simon to an airport. It's no, no way of being anonymous. Let's just put it that way. I was going to say, like, I was thinking maybe nowadays there's less attention because I've definitely noticed in recent years that like hashtag adventure cat has become more of a trend. And there definitely are a couple like well-known adventure cats, but also I think like people are just getting more into the idea of like, oh, a cat doesn't necessarily have to be just a house pet. So I was thinking maybe that would like help to reduce the amount of stopping you get. But I mean, like, I'll be honest, I would stop you if I saw you and Simon in an airport because he's adorable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think that there's still this notion that pets and animals, for that matter, are dirty and like badly trained. So there's still a lot of spaces that aren't pet friendly. Um, I know like a lot of Airbnbs won't accept you if you have a pet. Have you ever been refused service because Simon is with you? And like, how do you feel about that if you have? So I've taken Simon to many restaurants and I mean, no restaurant is ever mean to us. We'll just get approached and they'll be like, 
you know, we're not, you're not allowed to have a, a cat in here. And I'll be like, no, he's, he's fine. He's a service animal. And then, you know, they let him be, um, we've never gotten kicked out of any restaurant before. And I, a lot of these restaurants actually appreciate the, uh, the publicity that they get from it. So they're kind of more than okay that Simon's there. <laughs> they like it that he's there actually. And they, a lot of times they'll take pictures with them. <laughs> I actually wanted to ask you about this distinction. Cause you mentioned like, if your pet is registered as an emotional support animal, then they can go in the cabin of a plane. Um, and I didn't realize that that was how that worked. What went into getting him registered as an emotional support animal? You know, over the, over the months and over the years, they've, become more and more strict about um how about registering your pet as an emotional support animal or a service animal and uh and that's mainly because of people abusing it i think there was like a guy or a girl that brought a pony or some some sort of like bringing crazy animals on the planes uh like a miniature pony and a peacock i think i don't know there've just been different reports of things that have caused other airlines to have to get stricter about these guidelines, which is why I can't wait to fly private at some point. (laughs) So we don't have to go through these guidelines, but it's definitely, there's so many more hoops that we have to go through now. And those range from, you know, getting extra notes from the, the vets, you have to get paperwork from the vet. You have to get um, paperwork from your doctor saying that you, that uh, you need, your cat or your dog because they provide support for you. You have to fill out the airline forms. So there's, it's quite a extensive process, but the rewards of getting your uh, animal to your pet to be able to um, be an emotional support animal or a service animal is worth it because uh, you know, you'll be able to have them right there sitting on your lap or in the cabin when you're flying, you'll be able to have them be in the Airbnbs with you, the hotels, you know, the restaurants, like pretty much everything. So, but it is, it is a process and not everyone wants to go through it and and it does cost money too. So. Yeah. It sounds like there's a lot of logistics involved in, in registering your pet. And then once they are registered, like, do you receive, I guess, some sort of certification that you present and carry with you? You do receive uh, paperwork and, and records of certification that you can then show when uh, you're you know, going to the airport, going to the hotel, going to the restaurant. So I wanted to circle back a little bit more to talk about the risks of bringing your pet outdoors because... I like it all sounds really incredible. And I find like Instagram especially makes it look like such a magical experience to bring, especially your cat with you. But I feel like there's definitely some risks involved. So I'm not sure it's like fair to say, oh, like anyone can do this. Like obviously a lot of thought and skill and practice has gone into training Simon to safely enjoy the outdoors. So could you talk a bit about some of the risks of bringing your cat specifically outdoors and adventuring with you? Yeah, when when it comes to adventuring with your cat, I think it's safe to assume that you want to make sure you're not going on any adventure that would be difficult for you without the cat. Any adventure that you're going to take your cat with you on is going to be that much more difficult. So even the easiest adventures become a little bit harder uh, because you're having to, you know, juggle another being with you out there. So I typically don't take Simon with me on my runs um, just because I'm covering a lot of miles. I typically go on like, you know, 15 to 30 mile runs and there's no way he's going to be able to stay on my back like that, (laughs) bouncing up and down. Um, I have like done like little jogs with him, but it's not really a run. It's more like, okay, let's jog for a moment, maybe like a minute. And he's like bouncing up and down and then we're stopped. But yeah, I, I, pretty much um, take him on trips that uh, are going to be fairly family friendly, let's just say. I mean, I will, I do climb 14ers with him, um, but I, I take into consideration that with any sort of 
excursion that I bring Simon on, whether it be climbing a 14er or going kayaking or going rock climbing, it has to be much easier for him to do. So I don't want to put his life at risk. So I make sure that the adventures that I do with him are relatively mild. Uh, and that, I guess that, that's to say like, that's my scale to mild. <laughs> so for other people, maybe my scale of mild would be more intense, but I think it's really up to the, the individual because you need to make sure that you can handle your cat if something goes wrong. So I wouldn't do something that's above your skill level because that's obviously putting your, uh, not your life at risk and also your cat's life at risk. Really making sure you have the proper equipment for whatever sort of adventure that you're going to do. So if when I do go kayaking with him now, I make sure to bring a life vest for him. He is a good swimmer, but um, I'm not going to obviously, I'm not going to take him like crazy wild waters where if he like fell overboard, I'd have to like, he has possible drowning. Like I'm not going to, it's just not worth it. So there's, I just make sure that whatever adventure I take him on is pretty low risk um, where I feel very comfortable in the situation and I don't feel like his life is at harm in any way. Right. So it's almost like all the precautions you would take, like just for yourself in adventuring, you then have to like place those same precautions in the context of bringing your cat along. Um, I like can't get the image of Simon with a life jacket on out of my brain. That is <laughs> too cute. I can't get the image of Simon bobbing up and down on your back <laughs> out of my brain on a run. <laughs> I have footage of him doing of bobbing up and down when I'm running. <laughs> <laughs> I like I'm amazed that you take him rock climbing and like I just think about the logistics of like bringing a cat rock climbing it sounds like he does like so many different adventures but which of these would you say like if you can tell which adventure is his favorite is Simon like more of a canoe cat or is he all about like scaling the rocks Simon is hands down a rock climber. Uh, I have a house that's built on a rock and it's a really interesting thing because, you know, you'd almost think that the house was literally built for Simon because the interesting thing about the house is that uh, the rock has passageways to all the different rooms in the house that humans can't access, but a cat can. So he scales up and down this three-story rock in my house, because the, the rock inside the house is three stories, and then the rock outside the house is an, another additional five stories. So he he basically scales up and down the rock all day long. Um, so he's an incredible climber because he's that's he has so much practice climbing. I mean, it's that's most cats don't have a climbing wall in their house, especially a rock wall. He definitely has that advantage. And when we're outside, he free solos. Um, so he typically just goes up uh, the rock in the backyard. He is by far one of the best climbers I know because he can do moves that I there's no way I could ever do. Uh, he's going doing some class four, class five moves without equipment. You know, no big deal. He just free solos that and it gets up the rock way faster than any of any of us. For him, it's just no big deal. He's a natural at it. He he does some pretty intense moves. Uh, and, and if it was uh, for the human correlation, it would be class four, class five moves. That is so cool. I haven't rock climbed for a bit, but the first time I ever went rock climbing was in Oregon at Smith Rock. And it is like the most incredible experience, like climbing outdoors. Like can you tell us more about Simon's personality? Like we know now that he loves rocks, but are there any other like quirks about his personality that you could tell us about? Simon's a very social cat. He doesn't run away from humans. When I'm having a party and then there's anytime there's people at my house, he has to be right there in the middle of it all. And he usually wants to show off. So usually when people come to my house, he shows them how good of a climber he is. So he'll just be running up and down and he makes it a point that we can all see him. And then he has to put a performance together for us. So he'll he'll be going up and down the rock. He'll show off. Then he'll usually find a lizard or a mouse in the rock, which he'll then catch and make sure that we see he'll bring it right to us. 
Um, he makes sure to not only play with it in front of us and there's no way you can get it from him. You know, pe- I, w- I remember posting these videos online and it would become very controversial, like saying, oh, how dare you like watch your cat, you know, play with the mouse. But you try grabbing that from your cat and you will see what happens. There's no way you can get it away from him. He basically plays with the the mouse or the lizard until he eats it, um, essentially. And there's just no way I can get it away from him. So, and I have tried, I've tried to like pull the, a bird from his jaws, but by the time I pulled the bird, but by when you try to pull something from their jaws, you literally kill it in the process. I don't know if you've tried to do that, but yeah, (laughs) it sounds like he's like, he has like many angles to his personality. He's social, but like also a hunter. (laughs) He's the best hunter. He never lets anything get away from him in the house. So you know, especially living in the mountains, like dealing with mice is just a part of mountain living. But with a cat, with Simon, you never ever have to worry about seeing one. He sees them way before you're going to. He keeps the house so clean. He eats all the moss, flies, uh, lizards, I mean, everything, anything that moves in the house. Sometimes we have chickmunks that come in because because I live on a rock, there's a lot of things I can get through the cracks of the rock. But it doesn't matter because he keeps it clean. I actually, this is so like cat nerdy, but I've read that cats, like the reason they are now domesticated is because like initially humans thought, oh, like you'll do a good job of keeping mice away from like my fields and my like livestock. So that's actually why we started to be friends with cats because yeah, they benefited us. Yes, cats are by far superior rodent killers <laughs> he sounds like such a wild cat i love it he definitely can fend for himself so it's good <laughs> that, that's good to know <laughs> if you like had to leave him at home for a couple of days he'd be okay like he'd find his meals yeah the rock definitely replenishes itself <laughs> so so obviously like international travel is on hold right now till who knows when but in the future I am assuming we'll all be back out there traveling. And you mentioned earlier that you had been planning to go to some international locations with Simon. So what were those plans or what are you hoping for in the future in terms of traveling around the world with Simon? I would love to take Simon to Canada for sure. That was definitely going to be, we've had a lot of opportunities to go to Canada, just different parts of it um, from the Eastern part to the central part to British Columbia. And so I would definitely take him there because it's so close. Mexico. I mean, that's also another close location. I want to take him to Hawaii at some point. I know that's not international, but gosh, Hawaii is like way stricter than like any other place. Norway, uh, we were going to do like a Norway trip, uh, and also Australia. So there's definitely places that he has to see. <laughs> so <laughs> we will, we will do some worldwide travel. And I would do, and I also last on my list, um, Thailand. I want to take him to Thailand as well. All places with incredible like outdoor access. What, like, are there any places that you wouldn't be able to bring him? I'm not sure, but like the rules around, bringing your cat to other countries? Like, are there countries that you for sure wouldn't be able to bring him to? I think I asked about the Maldives before because I was going to go to the Maldives again. And it's not that it's you can't bring a cat to the Maldives. I think it's just like a huge quarantine process, just like Hawaii. It, it just becomes such a long process that it's not worth it. Uh, but now, like, we got to deal with quarantine in a different way these days. So, um that makes things even more interesting now. So that was one location I wanted to take him to. Right. And by quarantine, you mean, I think I have read about this, like you'll bring your pet over to this country and then at customs, they'll take your pet into quarantine for like a defined period of time. I don't know the exact specifics of what they do with the quarantine. All I know is that it's a long process and it's, if you're only planning to be there for like a week, and then the quarantine is processes, let's say, I don't know, several weeks or a month. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I know you have built up a massive following and community, especially across Instagram and TikTok. And we've actually talked pretty frequently on the show about the impact of influencing. 
um, both the good and the bad. Last season, actually, we chatted with Yolanda and Omo from Dip Your Toes In about how social media influencing works, like how it can function as a job. And I noticed on your site that you mentioned that you're on a mission to use media to change the world. And I wanted to explore that a little bit. Obviously, you're sharing content of Simon, which is capturing the hearts of literally millions of viewers. But I wanted to ask what your relationship with media and content creation is like. And in what ways do you believe that media has the power to change the world? My relationship to media has definitely changed over the years. And I've evolved with the different times. Uh, you know, when I first started, I was creating documentaries and there wasn't really social media and we were, and I was going on these really lengthy trips and, and the ways of telling stories was different as well. You know, we would tell stories more through video and pictures but we didn't necessarily have a way to share it like we do now with Instagram and TikTok and YouTube. And uh, now kind of my relationship with media, we do a lot of branded opportunities to help pay the bills, but also it gives us opportunities to be able to create higher quality content that I wouldn't normally be able to afford to create. Having a team now, I do have a team that helps me create a lot of my content is so imperative because the amount of content creation you have to do on a daily basis is just unrealistic for somebody that, um, let's just try, that's just trying to do this as a part-time thing. Um, being a content creator is an ultra full-time job. And I think, um, the illusion for a lot of people um, that are watching content creators out there is that, you know, they're just able to create content on the whim. Speaking for myself only, I can tell you that um, you have to be in such a high energetic state of mind to create content because there are so many days when uh, I'm not in the best moods and I like do not want to create content and I'm not the create the most creative during that time, those kind of moods. So I really feel like in order to be creative, you got to be in a great mood. And so uh, having a team really helps to keep generating content. But even with having a team, it still is difficult. And I find a lot of difficulty in constantly creating content. Um, and then sometimes the challenges that I've, I've faced is that uh, – the ideas that I want to execute um, are not well received. Uh, people don't want to necessarily see these high quality cinematic videos that I really love to produce, uh, especially with TikTok now. It's all about raw and in the moment content. People want to see more in the moment sort of uh, content and they don't want to see the high quality stuff as much. And uh, that's kind of been like a challenge because I have to like adjust that. So uh, overall, my my intent is to use media to um, be able to get people outside more, to get more, to get people excited about the simpler things in life, especially right now. It's uh, really refreshing and nice to see good feeling content that doesn't make you feel hopeless about the world because uh, it's so easy to feel hopeless right now when we're in such an uncertain uh, future and we don't know how this is going to play out. And uh, that can be very scary, especially for people that, uh, especially for the Z generation, because they, this is the only world they know. And um, having positive content uh, like funny cat videos can be, can go really far. But that's really just kind of the the tip of really what I'm trying to do with with media, and um, we'd have to have another episode to really dive into what what my big hopes are with media. But it goes far beyond uh, cat videos. It, it goes into awakening the minds and spirits of people um, around the world. I really love like your comment on TikTok because. I've really noticed this with TikTok, like it, it, there is such a language of TikTok and it's almost like you want content to look very authentic and natural. They want content to look like it's not produced, like it's unproduced when really 
behind the scenes, it is still being produced. And that's kind of like a fascinating, fascinating contrast that I see. I find TikTok is like a very fascinating medium because of, of those like very nuanced quirks that it has. It, it is. And, and I think that's why at first when TikTok did get introduced, it was harder for older generations to, to latch onto it. And uh, it's amazing to see how quickly the older generations have hopped on just in the last year. Because a year ago, it was just Z generation. And now so many other ages are now using it. So I think that's wonderful that people can evolve and adapt so quickly. Well, whenever I log on to TikTok, Simon and yourself put a smile on my face. So thank you ah, for awesome. creating that content. Because truly like it makes me so happy to see you two you two out there adventuring and i hope that we'll get to see you traveling internationally in the future yes that's such a great <laughs> a great thing to put out there i do too thank you <laughs> so before we let you go do you want to share with our apaca pals where they can find you of course, yes. Yeah. So uh, for all of you listening, if you'd like to follow and see more of my and Simon's adventures, you can visit us at Instagram at JJ Yosh. That's my handle. And Simon's is Backpacking Kitty. And we're on TikTok, YouTube, we're Backpacking, or YouTube, we're JJ Yosh TV. And uh, yeah, so see you guys on the web. I was busy thinking about cats. All right, Alpaca Pals, I have some news for you. It is now possible to support this show on Patreon. Alpaca My Bags will always remain free, but by supporting us on Patreon, you can help us to reach some of our goals for season three of the show. For example, we would love to be able to consistently pay our guests for coming on the show, and we'd also like to hire someone to make unique music. We hope that some of you will consider supporting us for as little as $5 a month on Patreon. You'll find the link to do that in the show notes of this episode. There are some other ways you can support us, too. Leave us a review in Apple Podcasts or on our Facebook page, and you can also tell a friend about our show. We hope you enjoyed the first episode of Season 3. We have lots of good stuff coming up in this season, so be sure to tune in every other Wednesday. Alpaca My Bags is hosted by me, Erin Hines, and produced by Katie Lohr here in Toronto, Canada. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Instagram and on Twitter at at alpacamybagspod or on our website, alpacamybags.ca. I hope you get to alpaca your bags soon. And remember, take that train instead of the plane.